Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 32 of season three of This Osteopathic Life. 32 has interesting significance in our lives. It is part of our home address, our being me, my siblings, my parents growing up. And it's one where anytime it shows up on the clock, perhaps for you might be like 1111 or you being you and most of the other people in the world seeing that as a significant number. I used to also think 1234. That was always a fun one to notice on the clock. Having my phone in military time does limit it because technically we don't see those numbers come up twice a day, but we can make that interpretation and offer it through when it does emerge. But here we are, in any case, in episode 32 of this third season and episode five in the daily podcast challenge for the month of November. And we are moving closer to the later stage of that day here. And those first four days, like we talked about when we saw that strong start, right? The arc of challenges were earlier in the day. There's a lot of great energy. It seemed no problem guaranteed to get done. And today, for a whole host of reasons, things just didn't quite go to plan. Or perhaps, as I look at it, maybe there wasn't a plan. So things just went how they went because there was no structural framework for them to fit into. And like we talked about a little bit before, there was a lot of open space today, largely intentional because it's been a busy week for lots of different reasons. And so I had given more blocks of time and living into the example I had illustrated, the task I normally would do because there weren't narrow windows of time in which they had to be completed became a little more random. And so here I am later in the evening recording this episode and fully supporting that decision, that happenstance, accepting it just how it is because it happened to be a most gorgeous day outside. And so as I considered the different tasks I needed to do and which had to be done indoors and had to be done at certain times, I did choose to reallocate where I invested my time and my energy so I could maximize the time out of doors when the sun was out, when it wasn't as chilly as it has been in the last few days, so I could engage with my children. And so again, I could complete those tasks that were absolutely necessary in a certain timeline and gave some space and freedom to this. And that's okay. Thinking about that, are there times when you perhaps gave yourself a hard time, offered some self-judgment because you didn't get it done perhaps exactly as you thought it should be? And can you look back and reframe it and recognize that actually the way it played out was the best case scenario? And so what I wanted to talk about today, and this did emerge by waiting a bit longer to bring forward this podcast episode because it does reflect the current happenings, right? sharing with you in real time 
what's going on and speaking to the current events in the world, in my life, and asking you to see how they relate to your experience. So the topic at hand, the title of the episode, and I'm still marveling at the very lengthy title of the episode from this week and totally letting it be. As an aside, my own coach brought up today during our session, the idea of the fourth round of a CrossFit workout. And I love working with her for a whole host of reasons, but this one was icing on the cake today because I said that was just what I was talking about, right? The messy middle and how we can lose time and not be able to hold on, but then we still come around for that final round. So it was an affirmation for me. That was a bit of an aside. But the topic, right? the title here is Difficult Conversations. And I had a particularly difficult conversation yesterday with a dear friend of mine. And the content of that conversation may reveal itself in a later episode, not now. It's not the time and that's not the purpose for that. But the essence and the experience of having that conversation was really powerful and profound for me. And I wanted to bring that here for a number of different reasons. And as it transpired, I was on the call while walking my dogs in the woods. And I finished the call in my car as I was picking up my son from his basketball practice. And the call was still going, I had a few minutes, and I was wrapping it up. And as I did, I ended the call, and my son asked me who it was on the phone. And I said, my friend. And he said, are you sure? Because you really didn't seem happy. And I paused for a moment, and I responded relatively quickly and simply said, well, sometimes we have difficult conversations with our friends. And sometimes we have certain other feelings with our friends. We don't always have to be happy in a conversation with our friends. All feelings are welcome. And as I sat with that, I was so grateful for the gift of that moment. Grateful, yes, for the gift of that whole conversation, but specifically for the gift of having that overlap of time. Because at first, right, There was some element of guilt that I was in two spaces, right? I was finishing the call while my son was getting in the car, so I wasn't fully present with him, and I was wrapping up this conversation. But actually, right, it was a most perfect moment that that overlap occurred, and there was that bearing witness to me with those feelings. It was so fascinating for me to see how my son very quickly identified, and I don't pretend to have a poker face necessarily. While I don't necessarily identify easily with all feelings, I don't hide them. I could say don't hide them well or don't maybe try to hide them. But you can generally right see how I'm feeling even when that spectrum of feelings is quite narrow. But in any case, he was able to identify, right? That didn't seem how you would normally wrap up a phone call with a friend. And it was so apt just in that moment because he has been having some different challenges, right, socially in this middle school time, which is fairly common. And we've been talking about different friend interactions and ways of being and noticing intent and impact and a lot of these conversations that I have with my coaching clients, right, adults of all ages and professions and specialties. And I've been having with him right, on the scale that 
makes sense for his age and stage. And it was so useful to be able to offer this illustration. And it wasn't planned that way. It was completely, truly authentic in the moment of the experience I was having and to be able to say, yes, this is my friend. And yes, this was a valuable conversation. Yes, it was hard. And yes, I am feeling sad, perhaps feeling a whole host of emotions. And both of those can be true. There can be this experience of communicating with your friend, of covering tough topics, of hearing tough things, of speaking truth to one another, of receiving truth and listening and tuning in both to the words that are being said and to the words and the thoughts and the feelings within yourself and absolutely still be friends, perhaps strengthen your friendship even. And so just seeing that, and we didn't belabor the point. It was really that conversation. It was that interchange. And I just have to say it again. I loved how he asked me, are you sure? (laughs) Because you don't seem happy. And particularly for him, I can recall as if it happened a moment ago when we were living in Oregon and he couldn't have been much more than five. It was early on in our time there. And he came to me and he said to me, and I shared this in one of my Storytime Sundays, which may make their way back soon. So if you do happen to be on social media, look at Facebook on Sundays. That might come back because I've I had really enjoyed the experience of Storytime Sunday. They've been dormant for a while and they may come back. But he came to me with this panicked look in his eyes and a little forlorn. You could see some hesitancy and he has his head down and he's kind of side-eye looking at me and he says, Mom, I have to tell you something and you're not going to like it. And so I'm imagining all kinds of different things that could happen but said, okay, right, what is it? And he says to me, I'm not happy all the time. And I looked at this little being, right? And thought, wow. Right? So first, it has been conveyed to you that that is the expectation, that you're happy all the time. And you're perceiving that the rest of us in the world are happy all the time. And you're not fitting that mold or meeting that narrative, And I was blown away, number one, that he was tuned into it, right? That he was aware that the way he was feeling and being in the world wasn't either like the rest of the people in the world or like how we expected the rest of the people in the world to be and feel. And in that moment, I could simply offer, that's totally okay, right? Is it okay with you? Are you seeking to be happy all the time? Are you feeling that others want you to be happy all the time? And I'm sure I didn't handle it perfectly well, but I was more impressed and encouraged by his capacity to notice himself, right? To see that of himself and felt this deep sense of empathy and compassion for that sense of I am other than or I'm not doing this right, right? There's a problem and open some space for him to explore that. And he has proven to be the most in tuned or attuned to emotions and also to experience them really acutely and very much in depth. And it's something that I have to really 
observe and acknowledge and recognize in a different way because it's not the same way that I experience feelings. And both of those are okay and we have much that we can learn from one another. And so in this moment, to be able to be not happy right, in this conversation with a dear friend and to be able to live that, to just be it in that moment, I don't know. I didn't ask him directly, but I'm curious what that might offer to him to say, I'm not either. Right? And that's okay. That's not the expectation. It's not the reality. And seeing who's assigning that, right? Who's saying that to you from where are we getting that directive? And how are we holding ourselves accountable to live into that? And then I did begin, and I have over this time, and when my oldest son also went through middle school and had some of the different social and emotional challenges that can happen in that stage of life, I reflect on my own. Right? That's my reference point. That's my personal lived experience. And being able to offer it up, to share authentically from my own self and space, not to solve or to compare, but to say, this was my experience. What here can be helpful for you? Perhaps what might you learn from it? What I do differently now, right? Had I the opportunity? And I think about it. And for me, fifth grade was the hardest, you could say the worst year of my educational experience, hands down by many, 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 many miles. For the most part, I really enjoyed school and I enjoyed the after school activities. I was very fortunate to have many amazing extracurricular opportunities. I generally had good friendships and engagements. I can see some snippets, even as I say that, some bumps in the road periodically, the transition into middle school, switching schools, some difficulty into high school, some difficulty in those transitions, right? We've had podcast episodes about that, often do present some challenges. But fifth grade was terrible, right? And that is my narrative about it. But in the experience of it. And I would love to get the perspective of some of my classmates because I have mine, right? And I recognize that it has its own bias in there. And that may be something that comes out of this. So if anyone's listening, right? Who was my classmate in elementary school? Let's have a chat. Because I also remember going to the reunion, right? So when we were all graduating high school, there was an elementary school reunion. And the energy that was there was different than what I expected. And I began to think, how was I different than perhaps what I thought, right? What my lens was and what the lens of everyone else was, and certainly through the different experiences we shared in this space. So I'm offering this up here, right? This is a space that's not necessarily comfortable, but it's so important to me because that year does stand out. And our school, so the arc of my educational experience is I went to Catholic school for kindergarten through second grade. And then it was recommended that I change schools because I needed different academic stimuli, likely because I had been personally tutored by my older siblings for those early years of my life. And we happened to have a what's known as a gifted and talented program in the public schools in that time. Fantastic all around. And some of my favorite people in that space, some of my favorite teachers, absolutely in that space. And so I went to that school from third till sixth grade. And that's where my strings experience began, which I've shared with you in the past. And again, there were some adaptation challenges early on, but pretty good overall. Fourth grade was a great year, although 
right? There was a hangup in that space where I was called to the principal's office for being a bully. And I could look at the narrative. My interpretation of it was I was very competitive. <laughs> and I've related that to now that hasn't changed a whole lot, right? And seeing again what the intent and impact were in that time and noticing where competitiveness, right, might not have been in the best vein of sportsmanship. But in general, my experience of fourth grade was quite positive. I am fully prepared and aware that for others, right, around me, theirs was different. And perhaps my engagement in there where I was coming into my own wasn't as well received and maybe wasn't done as kindly or as thoughtfully or as inclusively. I have to put a pin in this and offer up here. So last night in the National Writers Series here in Traverse City, which is being done virtually at present, Jason Reynolds was the guest author. And he is fantastic. If you haven't read his work, please get it. Give it to the young people in your life. They are fantastic books. They're relatable. They offer insights into critical issues. And he was talking about his kind of joint work with Ibram X. Kendi on Stamp from the Beginning and making that into a junior novel. But he offered this review of how our culture, and we are looking at marginalized populations and the way we address issues like racism, can be seen and summed up in pretty much any movie that features a high school experience, right? So there is the new kid, right? And the new kid is the outsider, Right. And there are the cool kids, the in kids. And there is this discrepancy, right? They're not allowed to be in because they're not cool. And then they adapt. The new kid adapts to match, right? To fit in, not to belong, to fit in and be acceptable and now be seen as a cool kid. And he's, he or she is welcomed into that new, excuse me, the cool kid space. And then as a cool kid begins to exclude an other the people who are not the cool kids, oftentimes those are the people with whom they had been friends early. They were the people who did let them in early on who weren't also necessarily at the cool kids table, right? And then there's this realization to say, wait, it's not worth it, right? To not be my true and authentic self, to be a cool kid. And I'm going to abandon that. And I'm going to go and I'm going to make reparations and be with the people who were kind to me in the beginning, right? And I was listening to that and blown away by his wisdom. And he told it much more eloquently than I just did here and saw that in my own arc, right? Being the outsider, then being welcomed in. And then you kind of have more bravado against others. And then there's this turning away and then the coming back around. And so I fully can see where that can be part of that fourth grade year for me. And interesting, this arc as well, if we think about the start strong, right? The messy middle, and then the finish with a flourish. The fifth grade, the year began with the teachers on strike. And I remember as well, I was able to go to Florida for an extended interval with my aunt and uncle. And then the school year began and it was not good, right? There was no social interaction. I was essentially ostracized and I can't recall a specific initial offending event. And again, any listeners who had the insight, I'm sure, right, it was something that I did, right? And then it was also how it was received, right? And there was a lot of animosity or conflict in that space. And so in fifth grade, there is this camp, oh, there was, where you would go to 
a sleepaway camp, right? For I think almost up to a week. And I opted out, right? So I thought this does not sound promising, right? I don't want to be in this space. No one wants me to be there. I'm just not going to go. And while I didn't really like Mondays much ever and missed a decent amount of first hours in Mondays growing up, I really did like school and didn't miss a whole lot of it. But I opted out at this time. And I can remember at this point being a relatively non-emotional person, even then, right? Being at our dining room table in my house and sharing with my parents my concerns about why I didn't want to go. And to their credit, they were supportive. I said, all right, like, and how are you feeling? And I was upset. I was crying. And I remember saying, I feel bad for the other people, right? Recognizing that there is some element of pain or hurt going on here to participate in exclusionary behavior. And now in the meta-reflective moment, I also see, right, and this comes around once we got through that year, and it was long, and there were moments when I thought I was back in the group, but again, it turned out that I wasn't, and there were people who were kind of spies, if you will, like they would talk to me just to bring information back to the crew. And eventually... It was, in somewhat of that arc that was illustrated by Jason Reynolds so profoundly, the presence of French exchange students. So we had students come and stay with us. And there were positive parts of their experience. There were challenging parts of that experience. And it turned out that the reintroduction, the reconnection, the re-inclusion of me into the group was because we now had kind of common adversaries for those of us that had challenges with our exchange students. Because we could join together, commiserate, bond over that, I was brought back into the collective, right? And I can remember specifically those moments and being back in the in crowd, being back in any crowd at that point in time. And I can see there some behaviors that happened within that year where then I did, right? So then once I was back in, the hurt people hurt people, peace comes through, and I was not kind to some of my classmates. And that part, right, if I could go back and change, I would. I cannot. I can acknowledge it. Right? I can own it. I can offer that insight to my children who are going through that experience. And I can recognize that impact, right? That when we are wounded, it is very common that we will extend the wounding to others right? in an attempt to make ourselves feel better, to patch over that wound, whatever it might be. And so I do extend that apology to classmates that were affected that way by me. Again, if you're listening or if you're listening and you want to pass this on, please do. One in particular was in the music space. And it's interesting to consider because that was my safe haven. And I can see, and I've shared this before, that music saved me right during some very difficult times in my life even if it was simply the fact of its consistency right, in a place to go and to put attention in when you're playing the music, you can't be thinking about all kinds of other things. Right? You just are in the music and playing it. And there was a new person, right, newer than me in that space. And so to Emily, if you're listening, right, if this ever makes it to you, my deepest apologies. I can remember that day as well, like it was yesterday and writing mean things on the board and had nothing to do with you, right? Had everything to do with me, but I can see how the impact can be levied that way. And so I recognized that. And then as we came into sixth grade, again, for me, it was the best year that I had there. There was 
inclusion, there was engagement, there was athletic success, music was fantastic. And it was also the final year that I was with most of those classmates. At the end of that arc, I elected to go back into the Catholic system and graduate from the high school where my siblings had graduated. And the majority of my classmates continued on right in the public school system. And we still engaged. Some of them I engaged with through music, but it was different, right? We're not seeing everyone every day. And so ending on that experience for me, right? And I would love to know too, it's not mine to know, but if anyone was willing to share what the experience was for them in that arc of those four years, for some it was longer, right? That they were there from the beginning, from kindergarten, they stayed on. You could stay on into middle school there. So just seeing that. And so recognizing the experience is relatively common. We could say normal. I hesitate to use that word. I would normalize it so that my children, for example, don't feel like it's them right, that are unusual in having this experience. It's part of the current human experience that we have and the current school system with which we engage. And also right, to see the opportunities we have to shift that, to have some deeper awareness of it. And I'm so impressed when my children do have this sense of self, a recognition of others, what they're doing, even why they are doing that. And I learn as much from them as perhaps I have to offer them to learn from the challenges that I experienced. And I think about in that time, and I don't know if it would have been possible because it was a different stage of life and experience and of knowing. But if some difficult conversations could have been had in that moment to find out what the reason was right, for those initial feelings that led to the separation and the challenge, right? if the difficult conversations could have happened there, what might have been different in that space? And as I step forward, because life is a continuous experience of relationship and engagement and conversation with others, how am I <clears throat> embracing them in their difficulty? When do I turn toward the difficulty? When do I shy away? And the conversation yesterday, as I have mentioned repeatedly, was challenging. There were painful moments. And I watched my reaction. I didn't say a whole lot. Right? I was listening and I was processing in real time. And I could see every time an argument I wanted to defend, I wanted to counteract, I wanted to offer my points, right? Give this information of supporting argument, give data. And I let that flow through me, not in words, right? I watched the thoughts come and I let them go. And I listened in for where they were coming from and where they had been before, right? And I stayed in it, right? There were many times when it would have been easier, preferable, less painful for sure to just end it, right? to end the conversation entirely, but instead turning toward it. And so I think about that in my own experience that I described, perhaps right, not going to that camp while it seemed like a self-preservation task and suggestion, answer, response in that time, perhaps, right? what would have happened in going there? And I have upcoming an event that feels kind of similar, maybe to this conversation, but more so to that experience in elementary school 
And my initial instinct was, I don't know if I want to go. (laughs) And instead, I am supporting myself in going, being open to difficult conversations should they arise, and trusting myself to show up and to stay in it as fully me. And I don't have a master plan. I'm not anticipating all the different scenarios that might arise and the ways I might respond. I'm remaining open to what is, open to what transpires, and focusing on fully supporting myself in that space, in how I respond, engage, whatever might be. And interestingly, I hadn't really thought of it this way, it feels like an opportunity perhaps, I won't say to relive, but to bring forward that same experience with a new way in a choose your own ending moment. I get to have some sense that I had going in of this may be difficult and I trust myself to go there and I trust what the experience will bring and I'm willing to be in that space. So interesting how these invitations come around, some, whatever it might be, 30-odd years later. And so if you have had the experience of a difficult conversation, if you have had this sense of to engage with another needs to be productive, fruitful, happy, supportive, right? And what does that look like? Are there certain criteria of how that looks? And are there ways, perhaps... We can stay in it, even when it's difficult, even when it's challenging, because that has much to offer us about ourselves, about the experience of others, and is an opening through which we then can step, even if, right? Even if that opening is small and we have to work hard and even get some experience of pain, heaviness, to get through it, what is on the other side? And so for any of us who feel like maybe we're not happy all the time and we're not meeting these societal expectations, let's take a moment, let's take a breath and see, well, where are they coming from? Who's assigning them? Are we agreeing to them wholeheartedly in this space? And is it possible, right, for there to be the coexistence of all the different feelings, of beautiful and challenging elements of a relationship? And can that be an enriching part of our human experience? So here we are, wrapping this episode, still on that calendar day for day five. And I thank you for joining me on this journey, for giving me the space to explore this, for going with me on this pretty personal and specific journey here today, especially. And I'm so interested to see where this month unfolds. This is Dr. Millie Beaky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.